Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... politicians are going to promise prosperity shortcuts. They're going to promise that they have the thing that's going to satisfy. Uh, Have any of you noticed? (laughs) It's not working because they can't deliver it. Gosh, even Mick Jagger knew it was true. (laughs) He knew nothing could deliver long-term satisfaction. God created this world, so ultimately we can't find our satisfaction until we find Him. God has designed this world so that the only way to experience true satisfaction is to find Him. But as Pastor Jim reminds us through today's study, many people try to chase down satisfaction through other things. When we hear the promises of others, we need to remember that long-term satisfaction only comes through our relationship with God. He wants to satisfy His people, but sometimes we forget that all we need is Him. Prosperity is good, but nothing can take the place of Jesus. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, When Will My Soul Be Satisfied? That's just the human condition. I was sort of having fun with this and testing it out yesterday, and we were loading up after the outreach we were at, and a couple in the church here has the same vehicle that I have. And so we were loading up their trunk, and I said, very, very spiritual car you drive. (laughs) They know I have the same vehicle. And they said, oh, we love it, we love it. And I said, yeah, yours is a year newer than mine. (laughs) To which they replied, yeah, but you have leather. (laughs) You see, we always just want more, right? There's There's always something better. The human response to desire, though, can often be to want something in an unhealthy way where we're willing to trade our own existence for it. Often the human response to desire is to give in to temptation, to reach for what we think will satisfy us, but we realize that uh, there's, there's always a catch with it, right? Temptation is an interesting thing, isn't it? It always comes with buyer's remorse. <laughs> You just think, oh, I got to have this, I got to have this. And as you're driving out of the parking lot, oh, what did I just buy? And then you come back to return it. All sales are final. (laughs) For a committed follower of Jesus Christ, it's so important to ask ourselves at the point of temptation, what is it that I really want now? Now, you might say, I just wanted a new car. And there's nothing wrong with buying a new car if you can afford a new car. But why are you getting it? So your friends think you're successful? So your neighbor's thinking you're, you're, you got more cha-ching than you really have? What, what is it that, if it, listen, if it's getting you from one place to the other, that's fine. God bless you. You worked hard for it, God bless you. But is your desire trying to establish something different with what you're, is you're getting? So we should ask ourselves, what do I want now? And follow it up with the question with, what does God say I really need? Do I really need this to be satisfied? Boy, I think if we ask those questions, that'd save us a lot of heartache, wouldn't it? 
It'd save us a lot of money. It'd save us a lot of guilt if we ran to the Lord instead of running to our desires that are not in touch with God's value system. Again, I'm not talking about working hard and saving for something. I'm talking about when our desires begin to rule our lives. Many of you know the story of Genesis 19. God is judging Sodom and Gomorrah. All kinds of people have reasons why they think God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. But God tells us in Ezekiel 16 what the problem was. He says they were very prideful people. He said they had an ease of life. They were lazy. And they didn't help the poor. They were stingy people. And God says, that's why I I judged them. They were all about themselves. So some angels show up in town and they find Lot, who's, uh, you know, what kind of a Christian Lot is, right? He's sitting in the back row with Elvis. And and the angels say to Lot, listen, you got to get everybody out of here. You got to get your family out of here. But when we're leaving, God's going to judge this place. Don't look back. Don't look back. Just look forward. Go. And... If you know the story, what happened is Lot's wife turned around and gazed, looked longingly, and it says that she became a pillar of salt. In Luke's gospel, chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus was calling people to follow him, and people were saying, I'm busy. You know, I'll get it together someday, Jesus. And, you know, and, and, you know one guy's like, oh, I got to go take care of some family stuff. Luke 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The inappropriate desire for things, even good things, but the desire is inappropriate because it then surpasses the desire for God himself. Later on in Luke's gospel, Jesus would be talking in chapter 17 about, about the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord. In Luke 17, 32, he tells everybody, remember Lot's wife. Remember someone who put their hand to the plow and looked back. Remember someone whose desires were so strong that she actually wanted her desires more than life, that she was willing to die for what that city provided for her. Here in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9, he says, be content with what you have. We all know that when we desire what we don't have, it can make us miserable, right? It can become our God. It can be the focus of how we live. It can be the focus of of how we pray, of how we work. Friends, don't exchange your life for the things that this world tells you that you have to have. Don't exchange your life just for a bigger house or or a better car or what everybody says that you have to have to be happy. Yes, work hard and enjoy what the Lord gives you. And so King Solomon, the man who has everything, he knows that we never arrive and he knows that our strong desires will never be satisfied unless our desires are in the right place. Well, that's number three. Number one, from a soul that is not satisfied to number two, a desire that is not satisfied to number three, a God that can satisfy. Now, here's where it's very helpful to be a New Testament Christian, to have the benefit of what the readers of this would not have and knowing what we know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, whatever one is, or uh, some versions say whatever exists or whatever has come to be, whatever one is, he has been named already, for it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. 
What is he saying there? Listen, we cannot get God to change the way he made the world. You can argue with God all you want. God's not going to go, oh, oops, my bad. I made a mistake. No, you can't tell God, right, to change the world the way he made it. He knows his plan. He knows the way he made it. Verse 11, since there are many things, and some versions say more words, that increase vanity. And the idea is, listen, you can keep talking to God all you want about how you don't like the world, and there's a point in time where it's good, but there's also a point in time where he says it's vanity. You know, It's a waste of time arguing with God over and over again about stuff that he's not going to change for us. He says, how is man the better from all that arguing? And we're supposed to go, he won't be. He won't be. So here he says, don't don't bother arguing with God because we always quote him, that great theologian Bruce Hornsby, that's just the way it is. Things are not going to change. God knows what he's doing. And the Bible writer states the obvious in verse 10, you cannot contend with him who is mightier. You can spend all your time right? Arguing with God about how you think the world should be. You, have, you know people like that, right? You know, I'm on the phone with the man upstairs, right? Uh, I got his number. I'm like, bro, he's got your number too, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not looking too good right now. You can argue with him, but you're not going to win that argument. Did you know you're not going to win that argument? Again, not that he's mean. He just wants us to face reality. He wants us to accept the way things are, not just the way we want things to be. If we spend our lives only thinking about the way things we want things to be, we're going to find ourselves wasting a lot of time. Again, I'm not talking about making a goal and shooting for it, but constantly obsessing for something that God hasn't given to us. Romans 9.20, the apostle Paul would write a thousand years after Ecclesiastes, he said, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? I don't know about you, but I read that and I go, I say that to God all the time. (laughs) We're always telling them we don't like the the way things are, right? Or the way we are sometimes. And have have any of you found that to be very satisfying? I haven't. (laughs) You know, I'm always like, God, I don't like the fact that I have a bad back. And, he's like, and I'm not finding it satisfying, constantly reminding him of that. Our culture says you have to be what? Rich and famous. Rich and famous. That's sort of the big thing in our culture. Back then, old and a lot of kids. So you've got to be rich and famous. So what do you think about the American value system? God sends his son, and he says, I want you to go live in Nazareth, a carpenter poor. And what about famous? You say, well, Jesus is very famous. Actually, if you read the New Testament carefully, every time they tried to make him famous, he went in the other direction. Every time they tried to make him king, he said, no, no, that's not, that's not what I'm here for. You see, because Jesus Christ was, he was content walking through life in the presence of his heavenly father. He was content walking through life in the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk to our our friends and family members, and this could even be you. You ask people why they're going to go to heaven, and they'll say, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm I'm a good person. Now, of course, I'll always contend we don't even know what good is until we look at Jesus, but let's even just back off from that for a second. 
just think of Jesus on the cross and think of Jesus rising from the dead. So here you have a poor carpenter who didn't want to be king. What is he teaching us? That salvation is not found in success. Salvation is not found in having everything that this world says that you have to have. Salvation is found in putting your trust in God. When even the king of the universe, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Verse 12, the writer says, For who knows what is good for man in life all the days of his vain life. That's really encouraging, isn't it? Another version says this, For who knows what is good for a man in life in all the meaningless days of his futile life. Like, oh which he passes like a shadow. So who knows what's good? Do you know who knows what's good for us? Now, I'm not asking if you know who knows. I'm asking if you know the one who knows, if you purposely know him. He says, who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? Well, it would have to be a man who came from over the sun, right? And would have to be a man who not only when he, he came from over the sun, the Lord Jesus Christ, but a man who when he died, went back over the sun. He's the only one who would know what's over the sun. So here, instead of, instead of arguing with God, he asked God, how can I be satisfied here? And what about after I die? And so here, this rich and powerful man has seen his own frailty before God. And loved ones, did you know that's how you become saved? That's actually how you go to heaven, is you admit your frailty before God. You admit, like many of the people in this room have, like I had too, that I need God's help, that I'm a sinner. I didn't bring myself into this world, and I certainly cannot bring myself out of this world. And I need help to be satisfied in this life. I think a lot of us who are Christians feel like, okay, we, we live our lives, we come to the place where we trust in Jesus Christ, and now we're Christians, and we're going to heaven. And the middle is just, bleh. You know, from the time we become Christians to the time we die, we just got to gut it out. That is not the life that God has for you. The life that God has for you, Christian, is a life of deep satisfaction, but it needs to be found in chasing after the right person not after the wrong things. And he's learning this lesson here. We're so fortunate that we get to, to sort of listen into him. The Lord is bringing him to the place where his soul sees. Does your soul see? His soul sees that satisfaction can only be found in the creator because that's the way the creator created us. We say about life, it's now you see it, now you don't. As we said before, we say you can't take it with you when you go, but you can go to him. You simply need to turn to him, turn away from trusting in yourself and turn to God. Turn away from saying, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. When you say you're going to go to heaven because you're a good person, you're trusting in yourself and put your trust in Jesus Christ. We're not going to get into chapter 7 really today but I just want to look at verse 1. He says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. In this life with all its troubles, if this is all it is, if life is just one big trouble after another, well, then the day of death would be better, right? 
I mean, usually in our society, we look at it. We look at the day of birth and we think, oh, it's such an exciting thing. And the day of death is such a mourning thing. He's saying the opposite. You know, when you go visit someone in the hospital and they have a brand new baby, you hold that baby, right? It's precious. You're not like, oh, miserable world. You just got born into a kid. Like, this is going to be horrible, really horrible. Like, look at the parents like, I don't know why you did this. <laughs> right, this is going to be misery for this kid. Yeah, yeah. Kid, it's going to be better when you die than today, <laughs> right? You don't have to do that. You don't do that, right? A birth is a happy thing. A birth is a happy thing. Now, he says, if this is it, if it's just misery, then death is better. But that, I don't think that's what he's saying because he's not seeking that. He's seeking satisfaction. He's seeking meaning and purpose to this life. But he's looking at it under the sun. And friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're, a str- you're really struggling in your faith, I can tell you the way it works. When God has his hooks in you, The more you look away from the Lord, the more you will long for him. That's just the way he does it. You chase all that other stuff. You just chase all this other stuff. You follow the wrong king. That's what happened. People followed after Saul. And at the very end, when they realized that Saul was not going to be the right king, they came to David and David said, welcome. And if you have gone your own way and you have thumbed your nose up to God and you have had your back to God and you have ignored him, I want you to know today you can turn to him and you will not find a rejecting father. You will find an accepting father who says, you come to me. All of you who are heavy laden, who life is just bearing down on you, you come to me, he says, and I'll give you rest for your weary, weary soul. But if there is no God, he's realizing, if there's no eternal life, how much of this stuff in this world even really matters? Why be concerned about doing the right thing? Why be concerned about being an upstanding person? But if there is a God and if there is an eternal life, then everything in this world matters. Everything. So as the Bible writer is asking the questions of life, he's moving closer and closer towards God as the Bible is moving us closer and closer in the Old Testament to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has created us to know him and we know him through his son, God has created us to follow his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the key to a satisfying life here. And here we go. Election season's heating up, right? And politicians are going to promise prosperity shortcuts. They're going to promise that they have the thing that's going to satisfy. Uh, Have any of you noticed? (laughs) It's not working because they can't deliver it. Gosh, even Mick Jagger knew it was true. (laughs) He knew nothing could deliver. Long-term satisfaction. God created this world, so ultimately we can't find our satisfaction until we find him. And he says, if you seek me, you'll find that I'm near. If you want me, you will find that I'm close. Yet how easily we forget, don't we? We forget so easily. Remember I said a few minutes ago that a birth, a new baby, is a joy, right? I love being a dad. In a month, my little guy's going to college. Please pray for me, man. I'm going to be a basket case. I miss my kids all the time. 
They're all like, oh, we have apartments now, Dad. Jerks. <laughs> but a birth is an exciting thing. And when you come to become a Christian, even heaven rejoices. But we forget, don't we? We forget. For some of us, there was a day, man, all we needed was Jesus. That was it. All we needed, but we forget. I love how the Apostle Paul reminds us, Galatians 4, 8, 9. He's talking about religion, but, but it's so applicable here. It says, but then indeed, when you did not know God, that's everybody, could be you today. You could end that today in this place. You serve those by which nature are not gods. You serve your desires, right? You just went after what you wanted. But now, after you have known God, and I love this, or rather are known by God. I said when you find God, but it's really when he finds you and you're willing to be found. How is it that you turn again, look at this, to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire, again, to be in bondage? He's saying before you were a Christian, you knew what ran your life. And you met Jesus. You had the forgiveness of sins. You had eternal life. You had the Holy Spirit come to live within you. You had the fellowship of God's people. You had the burden of sin lifted off you. You had the ultimate way to become satisfied in this life. And what are you doing? You're going back to the stuff before. Because you're forgetting. You're forgetting. Friends, our place in history as individuals, our place in eternity will be determined by our relationship to Jesus Christ. And again, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you can start that relationship today, but your satisfaction here on earth is in relation to your daily trust in Him. I know we all think we're poor, but the rest of the world thinks we're rich, right? And listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 19, 23. Assuredly, I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is it hard for a rich man or woman to enter the kingdom of heaven? Because they're trusting in earth. Because they're trusting in materialism. Because they're trusting in people other than Jesus. Because they're trusting in themselves. In Luke chapter 19 this hated tax collector, greedy crook named Zacchaeus, found satisfaction when Jesus found him. He was dishonest, he was stingy, and he was unloving. And when he met Jesus, he became honest and generous and a lover of God. And people were looking at, at that guy and like, what is, what, what's going on with him? And Jesus' words, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come, to seek and save that which was lost. Friend, if you're lost today, Jesus has come to find you. If your desires are wandering and they've become your God, Jesus has come to seek and save you. Will you give your heart to him? Will you give your life to him? Will you give your desire to him? We began by asking, when will my soul be satisfied? When you trust in the one who came to find you. Jesus Christ is both the satisfied one and the satisfying one. He lived a perfect life. He didn't have any of the stuff that we got to have, and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in your place for your sins, and it was there that God the Father was satisfied with his payment for your sins. 
And to prove he was satisfied, he rose Jesus from the dead and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the place of honor. And he has promised to prepare a place for you, a place of eternal satisfaction if you just are willing to put your trust in him. You have been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you would like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it is common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all of our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of Ecclesiastes, one verse at a time. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today.